know, Dillian's our guy in a lot of ways. Dillian is the fans' favourite, the underdog, the guy we hope slays the beast that is Anthony Joshua. But I think what's happened today has left a, a bad taste in the mouth for a number of reasons, none of which I attribute to Dillian, none at all. I think in this situation, Dillian's probably the the most sensible guy that's been there. He's the most sensible actor in the sorry saga that we've witnessed over the last, what, five months? So where we are at the moment is UK Anti-Doping have withdrawn the charge against Dillian White for essentially popping for Dynabol or the metabolites of, which is fair enough, cool. It was always up in the air, but the problem we now have is that there are more questions than there are answers. So question number one is, did he fell on the air and the B sample? UCAD didn't confirm that. The assumption you have to have is he fell on the A and the B sample, right? Because if he fell on the A, then we'd be asking, well, when are you going to test the B? And UCAD cannot do anything until he, they test the B sample. So my assumption is the A and the B sample were tested in close proximity to each other. And both probably pop for Dianabol. Which is why Dillian and his legal team went through the process of saying, well, it was contamination. It could have been contamination, and I'm willing to believe it was contamination. If that's what's said, fine. I'm not going to say, well, he's lying. I'm not that bothered anymore. But what it now does is pose questions. And I can say this, and people say I'm being reactive because I have an issue with doping. I don't necessarily have an issue with doping. But I think it's sensible to look at some of the key points out of the UCAT statement. Point number one that they make is there is nothing in Dillian White's urinary longitudinal record to suggest that he has been using steroids. So your urinary longitudinal record is just basically, look, over a period of time, you've come back clean, right? Therefore, if you've been clean more often than you've been dirty, on the balance of probabilities, you've been clean. And that's fine. Look, as, as, a, as a point of common sense, I get that. But remember, anti-doping is about strict liability. If it's in you and it's not meant to be in you, it's your fault. And you're directly accountable. And that makes a mockery of that principle here. Because what it says is, well, look, we're not going to punish you because you've been good before. We're not going to bother trying to find an explanation for this. But you've been good before, so we forgive you. So the second point then touches on the fact that the level of metabolites are relatively low. Which is fine. But Dianabol is not something that actually occurs in you. So... The maximum level of Dianabol you should have in your body is zero. You have any more than that, then it poses questions. And it says, well, where has that come from? And I imagine that's something that Dillian's team, legal and SMEs or subject matter experts, have had to give UK anti-doping. Fair enough. They probably delivered that to the satisfaction of UK anti-doping. It still leaves me slightly uncomfortable not with Dillian. Park Dillian to the side for a second. 
We're talking about the doping principle of strict liability. If it's in you, it's your fault. And Dillian's not the first guy to make a mockery of this. So many other people have. That is embarrassing. I think actually Dillian's probably the, the least worst offender in this sense. Because there are people who've got away with, you know, popping for steroids based on, I kissed my girlfriend vigorously, which is ridiculous. So if you want to separate the problem here, the problem is 0% Dillian and 100% UCAD. Dillian's a competitive athlete, a man who's determined to win and most likely, you know, do whatever it takes to win. Why? Because in that ring, his life is on the line. It is not his job to police himself. It is the job of UCAD as a UK anti-doping authority to police the sport, to police, to police Dillian, in fact. And what they've done is fail to do that. So if anyone has access to the statement, and I invite you to read the statements on two pages of A4, Dillian's tweeted it himself, so you can, you can get it on Dillian's page. The last point worries me because it says, in light of everything we have received in terms of evidence, we believe that this is consistent with a contamination event. So what was contaminated? Like, what on earth was contaminated with Dianabon? What process did you go through to establish it was a contamination event? To your satisfaction, UK anti-doping. Look, if Dillian says, look, I took a contaminated supplement because otherwise, how else could it have got in me? I'm with him 100%. But I go back to the John Jones thing where the emerging science is actually that these steroids can sit in your fat cells for weeks, months, years after you took them, after you thought they were having an effect. And under extreme weight loss, under extreme calorie expenditure, they come back out. So stuff that was in you that you kept suppressed can always come out. It's like melting the polar ice caps and you find fossils of woolly mammoths. It's not an accident. That was there already. And if what we're saying now is, it's enough that I tell you something was contaminated, fine, by all means, I'm okay with that. But let's give up the pretense that boxing is a clean sport. Boxing's now become much like bodybuilding where we just accept in the pursuit of watching freaks fight each other. We're just going to accept doping as par for the course. On this Joshua undercard, there are four people that failed drugs tests. There are 10 heavyweights on the card. Take the two main protagonists out. That leaves eight. 50% of the people on that undercard as heavyweights have failed a drugs test. Let's stop pretending the sport is clean. And let's stop pretending that we care that it's clean or that it's not clean. Because now we realise that's wholly irrelevant. My take on it, as an outsider looking in, is that you can have been scarred by the Fury incident. 
and they dare not engage in litigation again. The coffers are low. You know, Dillian's team is strong. He has the finances to fight this. Which isn't to say he's guilty, but it's to say that UCAD didn't want this fight. And if you don't believe me, look at the list of people they catch. It's always low-level athletes. So if you go through the UCAD list, it's low-level athletes. It's low-level rugby players. It's guys from like the Welsh Premiership, which isn't even the, the Pro 14. It's guys from like English League 3. It's people you can afford to punish and show that you're involved in catching dopers. But I know for a fact that there are premiership level rugby players that take drugs. Yet they don't fail tests. They hardly ever get tested. You know, and in some cases they're given advance warning that the testers are coming. That's why no one of any major scale has ever popped for a rugby thing. So I can't be upset that we don't catch the big boxers doping. Because UCAT has no interest in catching the main people doping. It just hasn't because it's more hassle than it's worth. Put yourselves in the shoes of the guy that runs UCAT. All he wants is enough budget to keep his situation going, keep, him, keep himself in a job, keep his mates in a job. And all they will do is deliver the bare minimum. Right, guys, look at how many people we caught doping. Okay, but how many of these guys are really elite? Nah, it doesn't matter. We're just catching people doping. That's the message we're sending out. So that's how you end up where you are when you say, okay, they just want to catch people who... It, it, it scares people enough to go, God, they, they're really going after that level? They might come after me. Let me behave myself. It's a deterrent effect. But what they don't want to do is they don't want to catch someone. In Union, they do not want to catch a Joe Marla. They do not want to catch a Manitou Lagging. I'm not saying these guys dope, but they don't want to catch athletes at that level. They do not want to catch an Owen Farrell doping. They don't because it's more hassle than it's worth. Lawsuits, media coverage, interrogations, they don't need that. What they want to do is they want to catch, catch the guys two or three levels down that they can hammer with bands and fines and say, look, we're doing our job. So if Dillian White was still a small hall boxer boxing on Heliot and Goodwin cards, would he have been given this luxury? I don't think so. And that's the sad bit. We're now in a world where the big athletes, and it's not just Dillian, it's not even Dillian, it's athletes that have enough money to buy lawyers scare you, Cat. So if you want to be able to dope, just, just have a war chest of three or four million or lawyers on retainer on a pro bono basis, and UCAD will leave you alone. It's not worth their while. They do not have the funds, and they'd rather save face by saying, well, we're not going to pursue it, than pursue it and run out of money and humiliate themselves. So for me, Dillian White Boxing in Saudi Arabia was a message to everyone in the UK boxing infrastructure saying, look, if you don't, want to respect the fact that we will do what we want. We will do it in locations that allow us to do what we want. And you lose out. You lose credibility and you lose money. And now you can have a choice to make. Do they even care about boxing now? If you can't catch the big fish, what the hell do you even care about boxing now? You've been humiliated. And Hearn, 
is probably the beneficiary of all of this because now UCAD will be reticent to bother with his boxes. They're like, well, it's not worth it. If I know that there's a war chest willing to fund all of this, what's the point? So we're in a point now where I can't tell a box not to dope. What's the point? Dope, find the best endocrinologist you can and just start putting that shit in your veins, in your fat cells, whatever. Because once you get to a level where they take an interest in you, they won't be able to afford to enforce it against you. And it's a sad state of affairs in our sport boxing, but it is where we are. And I think this is the point right now where we see all talk of doping in sport, in boxing especially, because we're never going to get it back. We just have to accept this as a new norm.